0: Just about a month ago on Mother's Day, uh, I shared the message on, of Mother's high calling. A Mother's high calling. And obviously, uh, I had similar things in mind this year. On the, the other side of today, message, it was a reflection of our med- meditation on Father's side. Of father's high calling. Um, in order for us to do that, I think we need to begin with this simple question what is the role of a father? And this year, um, and maybe just past decades, we saw this shift in, in our culture. And not necessarily ignoring fathers, but maybe trivialization of fatherhood, or the role of father. Anybody can substitute that father. So questions like this. What is the role of a father? Is it to bring home the bacon and to protect the family? In some sense, Yes, it is. But it is the main and primary role. There's a big question mark. Or is it to take out the trash or fix things in the house as well as the cars in the house? Um... The handyman desks are popular. I'm not one of those handymen. Uh, our toilet was leaking. I just put a broken... I, I don't know what to do with that. I might, some of, I, I might call some of you your handymen for help. And number three, and <laughs> is it to make his children happy by being a cool dad. This sounds really good, isn't it? Because of the cultural trend. And I I think in terms of our uh, community, the wonderful dads we have not only played traditional male role of bringing the bacon and protect the family, but Actively participating house chores—the younger days of our children, the, uh, our dads change diapers, wash the dishes, and go nine the whole nine yard to do what is known as a un, not a typical traditional dad's role, but at the same time as their children are growing, playing with our kids and, and taking the kids out, just making sure that kids are really, I think this seems to be heartbeat of our generation. Because we've seen the generation before who was workaholic, who was into their hobbies, uh, maybe even some bad habits, unhealthy habits, like a drinking, in a lot of things, but our generation, and especially our church, tends to be a very family-oriented and very children-centered type of lifestyle. I I ask you, is this the high calling? Without negating all these good components, These are good elements, and we ought to continually do this, but this is not high calling of Father's role. When we turn to Scripture, there is a timeless principle, God's perspective on fatherhood. Let me just present three things today before we delve into Psalm 128, which is our primary text. For uh, fatherhood and what maybe some encouragement and challenge for not only each father but each one of us uh, as a Christ follower as well. The first thing the scripture is very clear is a father's most important role is to lead his family spiritually. By spiritually I don't mean the segment of life or compartmentalized way of looking at religious life. Now, spiritually, it, it, the, at the center of it, that um, overflows every direction of life. But at the center of it, lead the family, holistically. But at the center of it is Spiritually. 1 Corinthians 11.3 is one of those texts that make it very clear. I want you to know, Apostle Paul writes, to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Head of wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is God. In order for us to understand this very clearly, we need to quickly go to the Trinity first. Lest we think that this is about superiority or or inequality of worth. Trinity of God, Christ and God, the Father, are equal in all sense, isn't it? But there seems to be a different role in there, the leadership, if you will. It's not so much of a power and authority but it is a responsibility what the leadership is all about. And then, even in this century, God's view of fathers is that they are to lead spiritually. Sp- spiritual leadership of each father is significant. Do you remember the Genesis uh, Adam and Eve sinned? Eve sinned first and led Adam into that. But when God showed up and asking for their uh, putting accountability on them he didn't ask for Eve. Adam Genesis 3.9, where are you? That's what happens in this century as well. When God holds your family accountable, he knocks on the door and asks for the husband, asks for the father. And it, you cannot say, oh, I didn't do it. Or passively, I was just here. Here. Father's most important role is spiritual leadership in that sense. Secondly, Father's ultimate impact comes from, not of being cool dad, but when his fatherhood is patterned after God's fatherhood, living in such a way that his children can see what heavenly father really looks like. First letter of John one three one says, "See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God." And so we are. So, unlike the uh, conventional wisdom or the universalist will say, every human being is God's children. In that sense, you have God, the Creator. Every human being came out of God. So, in that sense, yes. But we know clearly, and even John, we're going to study through that, not all are God's children. We are under the domain of the Satan's rule. And actually, uh, Jesus called the Pharisees the children of the devil. John one twelve, but as many as received him, Christ, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed in him. We're talking about the believers in Christ. Here's the problem: the ultimate impact comes from heavenly fathers reflecting heavenly fathers' fatherhood. So some of us, I met many men and women including in our church community didn't have much of a good feelings to call Heavenly Father Father. To God the way that Jesus taught, taught us to call him Abba, Enduring Dad, Father. Why? Because it just doesn't have a good memories. Maybe that father was very abusive and maybe the father was very distant, workaholic. Maybe that father was just into these bad habits of drinking, couldn't himself, help himself. Maybe father has abandoned us. So in this sense, as we talk about fatherhood, we could find comfort in the fact that in spite of failures of our earthly fathers, we could look to Heavenly Father who is full of mercy, full of righteousness, full of integrity, who does not change, who will not give up on us, who has given His Only begotten Son to bring us back home. That Father is there. So through Scripture, through our spiritual journey, we get to know our Abba Father. I think one of the brilliant things, a very helpful thing, Brandon Manning did when he was alive taught this concept. And I was deeply impacted by his book, Abba. Child of God is the, the very thing that Christians are, ought to think of themselves is a reflection of Abba. I belong. I'm a beloved son that I could call Heavenly Father, Almighty God who created heaven and earth. Abba. Loving dad, and Manning is Brandon Manning is right. Our images of our earthly father affects deeply the heavenly father. But the healing of our earthly father can come from having the right view of heavenly father. It affects the forgiveness, it affects our release of our pain, healing of our past wounds. And one more one more turn for those of us who know our brokenness. I think it's a past even a few days ago I had a conflict resolution with one of my sons. Mediated by my wife. It's humbling. Sweetie, I need help. I I cannot resolve this issue with him. Could you sit with me? So if you are like me, and if you are real enough to admit that your inability to live up to the standard that scripture talks about, we have a heavenly father and then every day we as we get closer closer to the bosom of our heavenly father and reflect and we continually emulate heavenly father's fatherhood the ultimate impact will come so for those of you who are not dads and who don't have um, earthly fathers still living with you uh, on earth, or if you have some bad memories flashing back every Father's Day, think of this Heavenly Father. Third and last the, uh, important point the fatherhood and God's unchanging perspective. As father's primary duty is to teach his children godly wisdom. I just want to say godly wisdom, but in yet because of our context, cultural context, the wisdom is saying, thoughts, and concept. So the Bible makes it clear the wisdom is actually full extent of it. Not only thought. But conduct. So I'd like to say, to be clear, to teach our children godly wisdom and godly living. Uh, Ephesians six four, fathers do not provoke your children to anger. But don't stop there. Don't stop at being a relatable easygoing dad. The kids will like. But bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. One of the constant message of God's fatherhood, do not harden your heart when you are disciplined by his heavy hand. The disciplining of the Lord, God disciplines those whom He loves. And in, in other words, you know, even there's a, a proverb in, uh, when I was growing up and often heard, and they will say to, a, to, a, to, a, to a children, to a kid whom you hate. You give them rice cake. Basically, you give them nice things, good. Just eat that and go away. But to those whom you love, you will discipline. You will come close to correct and help and coach them. And I, I think that the more we reflect on, on this, the more glaringly it's important the role of scripture. Because it is not our wisdom. Because it, because it is not how to succeed in your stock market. How to dress for success. How to like, have everyone like you among your friends. Those are not the wisdom, spiritual wisdom of God is a lasting wisdom, God's wisdom. And there are so many things that we could think about in terms of godly wisdom. But Psalm 128 gives a, a, a piece of pie, probably the most important piece of pie that we could all think of. Here's a little bit of preview. Let's go to Proverbs three, verse one through eight, before we go to Psalm one twenty-eight. <clears throat> the whole book uh, of Proverbs, Psalm uh, Proverbs one through thirty-one, is, in one sense, a father's teaching of godly wisdom on his children. Verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not, I'm sorry, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So dads, this is our primary task. And every day, before we think about how to make our children like, like us or be happy, we should continually think about the fundamental task, task that God has given us. How do we teach them that the world does not revolve around them? When we appease them, that's good like that. The worldview is skewed. That actually at the center of the world, that God exists. Almighty Sovereign God exists. The very first thing we need to do is to teach them what God-centered worldview looks like. That's what I mean by the primary importance of piece of pie that Psalm 128 introduces. Because every single one of us like I said, especially our dads in our community are such a motivated people for their children's happiness. The question is, what does happiness look like if the world is not centered around children, but centered around God? God-centered worldview, what would that look like? We could draw three principles from that of a high calling, or I call it fuller calling of fatherhood for Christians. Just to be clear, there isn't there aren't two different callings for non Christians and Christians. There are one calling as God has given the humankind, but the human kind has fallen into sin and deserted from God, and they live the life without God, and because of that, the, the the word that I'm adding is a fuller calling of God. Of course we are to love them. Of course we are to continually uh, be present among them. You know, a lot of non-Christians would do that too. We need to continue to do that, not negating the fact. But the fuller calling involves this, at the Fuller calling at the heart of it is a Psalm one twenty eight. A father's high calling, first principle, is to lead his children to fear the Lord, which is the pathway to true blessing or true happiness. This is the thesis of this Psalm, Wisdom Psalm, verse one and four. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. In verse 4, he repeats that intentionally. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Eugene Peterson defines the fear of the Lord as a fear that pulls us out of our preoccupation with ourselves, our feelings, or our circumstances into A world of wonder. Why world of wonder? Because God is full of wonder. We cannot put him in a box. We cannot think of one piece of God's attribute as this is God. Some things that we like and we cannot just pick and choose and ignore the other. This key is so simple that many um, people stumble over it. Because blessedness or happiness was meant for all by God. Let's start with that. But man's sin brought the fall which broke the blessedness and the consequence of the, the covenant relationship with God can restore that brokenness. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Is it some kind of a being scared of? Like a scary movie? Of course not. But is it something like just a purely uh, I respect this author and I respect God that way. No, no, much more than that because even Exodus that we are going through right now in our, in our quiet times passages when God showed up the glory and the presence of Shekinah glory every single one of them the natural response is that they will fall flat on, on the ground because of fear. The magnificent, the, the all-powerful God who is the source and giver and the sustainer and taker of our lives. Yeah, there is a fear in that sense. But genuine respect and awe the mingled with that. <clears throat> I still remember one of my book mentors was coming in town. Um, and as you, as you know, if you listen to my message sermons and long enough, one of the men that I quote most is my book mentor by the name of John Stott. I, I read most of his books but I sense his deep humility as well as depth of his theology, clarity of thoughts. So before I met him, I already had this huge respect. So he was coming in town a little more than a decade ago in Irvine. I went to see him and after just incredible short message that he did, I lined up to say hi, to... I didn't know what to say. I just grabbed his hand and say thank you. And I, I, I got teared up. What I felt impressed, he was already old man, 80-something year old back then, before he passed away. Such a humility. I was struck by that. And coming home, I prayed to God, Lord, teach me how to become. He's just a mere man who becoming, becoming more like you. Make me a man of God like John Stott. That deep, deep respect was there. So think about it. This is a glimpse of respect that someone who followed after God When God really showed up with his glory, we don't have choice to humble ourselves. We will be humbled by his presence. Even though unbelievers will bow their knees and shall confess that he is the Lord when he returns. But the important thing is that our life view A worldview is skewed. Somehow, even when we are non-Christians, even when we are growing weary and disillusioned about our spiritual life, what is the biggest temptation? If I do what I do, what I like, whatever I like to do, I would be happy, isn't it? That's the biggest temptation every minute. Every woman who have. And through trials and temptations and failures and hard way we have learned the true happiness in Jesus Christ. That's, what, that's why we belong to Christ. If this is really true, brothers and sisters, the most important lesson that we need to teach our children is that apart from God, my son, my daughter, listen, there is no true happiness. Within God, you will experience paradoxical happiness as well as the true happiness that you would expect as well. In other words, when circumstances are happy, you are happy. But blessing comes when you are going through a tough time as well. Because His love and mercy Severe mercy is there. I have experienced a son. I have experienced a daughter. Listen. Trust in the Lord and fear Him. Deep respect and follow Him. That's the high calling. Eugene Peterson, in his book, elaborates a little bit on this. Fear God, he writes. Reverence might be a better word. Ah, the Bible isn't interested in whether you believe God or not. It assumes that everyone more or less does. What it is is interested in is the response we have to Him. Will you let God be as He is, majestic and holy, vast and wondrous? Or will will we always be trying to whittle Him down to the size of our small minds? insist on confining him within the boundaries of we are comfortable with, refuse to think of him other than, the, other than in images that convenient to our lifestyle. But then we're dealing with the God of creation and the Christ of the cross, but with a dime-store reproduction of something made up in our image, usually, For commercial reasons. To our to, to our, to our children, even the word fear the Lord will be obscure. This is a lifetime lesson that we not only we need to learn, but we are to teach them. And before I go further. So one quick principle when it comes to our children things are more caught than taught. We we would like to say you do what I say. But the children watch us. I'll do what you do. If there is any duplicity or public life, and private life, especially those of us who are leaders in the church, including starting with the pastors and the missionaries, the typical things that sad, saddest thing is such a called PK syndrome, MK syndrome, pastor's kid or ad- missionary's kid. Such so a thing, there's an elder's kid syndrome as well. They all have this attitude snobbish attitude. They are the know-it-all. I heard it all. I memorized it all. I read through the Bible. I know the theology. They tend to walk away from the Lord in their young adulthood. When they go to college, when they are facing this giant of the intellectual world, there are professors who are secular humanists. The point is that, starting with me, let's show them what it would look like that we fear the Lord. That we are not in the center of our universe. That we want to listen. What do you desire, God? I'm interested in what you would guide us, our family. The second thing I see in this psalm is uh, Father's high calling is to teach his children by words and deeds to live according to God's will. The, the verse is right. So the first, first verse clarifies blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his way. In other words, to say that for, to fear the Lord and not do his way is not a true fear, isn't it? If we really truly have a genuine respect and deepest regard what he thinks of, we will do it. So in terms of how you deal with decisions for your family, your finance, including the the education, what college our sons and daughters should go, what kind of investment that we should make, where should we move? What should we pray for as family this year? According to God's will. God's will is not obscure. He has given us a written word. And then um, I'm redundant by intentionally uh, our Crossway Kids ministry is encouraging the parents to be involved in memorizing Psalm 23 all together. I think there's a little bit of uh, maybe encouragement, you know, there's a prize for the people who get through. But the po- important thing is that how many families will go through that and do that. In hindsight, one of the most important things is about parenting, especially father's leadership, is that what our children would do, would choose after they leave our home. They're not with us anymore, but they are you know, miles away, even out of state somewhere in the college, and they rarely come back because of the distance. When you're not there with them, what will they choose? in their relationships, in their church life, in their dating life, in their sexual life, sexual purity. Will they choose what God desires? So it it is utterly important for us to show that not only teach with words, and there are the cases even in our own lives it is unpopular. It is very narrow road to choose to obey God's will. To choose the pathway that a lot of majority of people avoid. But when they see that courage in you, that even standing up for what is right and what is what is righteous and what is a man of integrity in your business in your ethics working for somebody as well as leading your own business will you have a courage our kids will see that lest we think that it's something about this high thing also, to behind the scene. It's in my confession as well. Will we choose humility before our children to be able to say, I'm sorry, to apologize, to, to reconcile, to not to lose our temper, to not to make them angry, because of our domineering, overall you do what I say. At the heart of it, it is a self-surrendered scripture and spiritual gui- spirit's guidance, isn't it? Do they see that in us? Otherwise, the external religiosity and teaching will make our children far away, not only from us, but from God himself. As a former youth pastor, I would would testify this over and over. The parents who showed the true, real spiritual life, vulnerable life, including brokenness and their failures, their children always came back to god their ch- children didn't drift away from god when they went to college but that happens when they're young very young dad what what is your summer summer schedule of course take them to basketball or 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 a uh, dodgers game I, I'm willing to do that. I, one of my sons would ask me to take him to the Dodgers game. I would love to go. Fishing trip, that's good. Disneyland, that's good. But would you be intentional? I, I'm going to continually have this kind of dialogue with my son. May have, maybe having breakfast on a regular basis. To talk about scripture, to to go over quiet time, to even have a quiet time together. Before my son goes to college, my second son, I suggested, would you read mere Christianity with me? And he's very intellectually bent kid. So he said, yes, I, I am taking this all the way. And actually I'm learning and preparing for those conversations so that I don't sound like a top-down person. I want him to hear the mutuality. I think when you are intentional about it, you get to see what's around us. There is a C.S. Lewis uh, Monologue show in LA next month. Uh, That actor happens to be one of my favorite, you know, Bible Gateway. If you play that, there's a deep voice, Max McLean. Wow, I love his voice to begin with. He's coming. I'm just giving you some some things that I, you know, I'm a beggar to get another bread. So, if you're interested, come talk to me. We'd love to go with you. Jeremiah 5 24, 25. The Old Testament's example was just Israel itself, the nation, theocratic nation, was full of God and the scripture and rituals. But God, through the prophet, Jeremiah says this, They do not say to themselves, Let us fear the Lord, (coughs) our God, who gives autumn and spring, rains in season, who assures us the regular weeks of harvest. They should say all that. But your wrongdoings have kept these away. Your sins have deprived you of food. Here's the third and last one. A father's calling, high calling, is to love and encourage his children to thrive in God-centered blessings. The verses 2 through all the way to 6 is a list of God-centered blessings. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands because you fear the Lord. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. From, from Zion means another day of Jerusalem, but the Jerusalem is called city of God. Meaning, the Lord bless you from God's presence, where God dwells, God-centeredness. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children, peace be upon Israel. That peace, once again, Hebrew word, shalom, which means much more than absence of war or trouble. It means whole being, wellness, to every aspect of your life all is well. That is shalom. Peace upon you. So let's think about as we we close, think think about this clearly. The world trivializes what dad ought to do. Listen to your son, daughter. Be interested in his his or her um, interest. Go after their heart. Spend time with them and encourage them. Help them succeed. All these are good. We ought to do That's a loving father looks like. But if we're truly interested in their true happiness and true blessings from God, at the heart of it, they cannot be truly happy without God. The fear of the Lord has to be there. Their godliness has to be there. Their submission and self-denial into following Christ has to be there. This is something that we cannot just thrust into their mind. We need to model them. We need to inspire them. We need to cheer them. We need to forgive them. Above all, we need to be child to our Abba Father who is holy, loving, merciful, forgiving. Whose love is Everlasting. When they see that the glimpse of our authentic spiritual life, they will see that and catch that and follow that the god centered blessings is not such about church life only. So look at each of verse 1, conduct and character, verse 2 about their work life, verse 3 about their family life. So fathers, we are called to encourage and charge our children, inspire our children to live by trust and obey, obedience in the will of God. This is my closing thought for our our church, especially dads. To live this high calling of God, it will take more than noble intention to be a good dad to our children it will require our commitment to God-centeredness, our devotion to love Him with all of our heart, our self-surrender to the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit day after day. Then, only then, all children will get up on their own when we are thousands of miles away, they will choose the right decisions because they fear the Lord. They will choose Christ. They will choose the narrow road instead of the highway of the popularity. They will choose what's godly, what's God-pleasing because it will bring, ultimately, the fullness of joy in them, the true happiness and God-centered blessings upon them. Happy Father's Day to you all. Let's pray. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for this simple and yet profound truth and guidance for all of us. We look to you as a perfect Father because we fail all the time. Have mercy on us. Encourage us. Above all, we pray that You will give us faith to persevere through hard times. When things are difficult in our kids' life or our family life, our relationship with our children is not going well, may you show your unending love to us so that we may continually love our children the way you love us with patience with deep commitment, with holiness. We, we thank you, Lord, and we pray that you will um, guide each step that we are taking as that and as church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.